All right, you ready to do a show? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a show. Oh, oh can you oh, hear that? God. What, what did you? What was that horny move? What? You just went ah. Uh. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. So, um, my kids spend all their time on their iPhones, iPads, whatever. Which now I'm just sounding to sound privileged, but um. So and that's me... the end of your story. They're rich, everybody. <laughs> they have iPhones and iPads. Uh, no, so they were like, Dad, we've got to show you this video. And it's a video of this boyfriend. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. It's a video, I guess, and it's, I'm assuming it's teenagers. It's a video. This boyfriend saved the voicemails of his, of his girlfriend after he broke up with her calling. Have you heard this? No. And when she's talking, she's like, I miss you so much. And the way she cries, it sounds like she's revving a car. So he made a video of every time she went, he put a car racing down the street. <laughs> exactly. So they're like, isn't this hilarious? And of course, I had to... I, you had to be the like... The answer is yes, it is. But then I had to be like... <laughs> but not again. You can't, but here's the thing, guys. Yeah, yeah. You're making fun of someone's pain. And I, I felt and who like... Who doesn't know they're being made fun of? Who didn't sign up to be made fun here's of? The, I agree with that. But the problem was I had to, instead of enjoying it like I would have if yeah, I was their you age... Went back, did you went, <laughs> I had to be a douchebag dad... And wreck their spirit did you, in order to teach them. It was a learning moment, right? Like go, that's, and it sucked that I had to do that. Can I ask a serious question? <laughs> no. Yes. Can, did course. you when after they went to sleep? Did you and Natalie watch the video over and over again, laughing? No, but you can't get it. <laughs> once you see, you can't get that out of your head. That, uh, and I just had this vision of a car racing down the street, and it's I'm a, I feel like a jerk because somewhere there's a sad girl that just you know. I mean, that is, again, why we're glad we weren't uh, teenagers when the internet was around. Okay, speaking but. of that, we live in a horrible, horrible time. The only time, this is going to be one of the few shows <laughs> that, that we can timestamp. And I have to bring this up because a couple things have happened this week that just makes me kind of just, I'm a little bit bewildered and it has absolutely nothing to do with global warming as far as I know. One <laughs> is the story that came out about the woman with her comfort gerbil. Did you see about that? Uh, yeah, she tried to get on a plane with and it. And they said no, and apparently she had to flush her comfort gerbil down the toilet. No, 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 about, no, 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 no. Well, no, I'm I, saying, I, this is the story that was out there, right? So well, they said, you can't take it on the plane. If you want to go, you're going to have to flush it on the toilet or no. something great. Do you know this real story? Yes. What I mean, First off, I, what, yeah, what I, I read. It is a comfort gerbil, though, correct? Or what, it, what it was they a call service animal. Sur <laughs> okay. Yeah, why is everything a service animal now? Because that's how you get it on planes and into places animals aren't supposed okay, to be. Okay, so it's all a lie is what you're saying. I mean, for the most part, those things were written. Those those licenses used to be written out like like uh, medical marijuana, you know, IDs here in LA. Oh, really? It was, it was like I have trouble uh, sleeping. Okay, here you go. Like, here's your gerbil. Once I coughed, here you go. It's like they just they were just making everything a service animal. So there has been a lot of backlash. This lady was told by Spirit Airlines that she could bring the gerbil on. Last minute, they were like, no. So okay. she's like, okay, great. What do you want me to do? One of the employees goes, well, you could flush it down the toilet being an asshole, not trying to, like, give them an actual uh, out. You know what I mean? Like, well, you can get back on the plane if you just flush the... I think uh, that's what I th that's what I read. No, no, okay, it was, like, so an employee that said that. No, but, so, but she flushed it down the toilet to get on a plane. What, she really did? Yes, that's the story that's out there. That I don't think... I, I don't think... I'm just telling you, first off, it doesn't even matter if she flushed it down the toilet. Well, the bottom line is we live in a time now where people have comfort gerbils or whatever you call them. What do you call them? Dude, a lady tried to get a peacock on the plane. Did doesn't you just see that? Yeah, I did. Again, a comfort peacock, correct? Yeah. 
Or what did you call them? Service animals. Service Sorry, animals, sir. Do they yeah. have to wear the jacket? That's what I, my question was. Right? Dogs so used the, to have to wear like the orange vests or whatever. Does <laughs> the, the gerbil? Do you have an extra tiny? We have this one for squirrels. Will this work? <laughs> nah, that one is a little bit big. First off, nobody has a comfort squirrel because those things have way much more anxiety than humans do. <laughs> Dude, squirrels terrify me. But I watch like clowns. Some, I wa- what about a clown squirrel? Clowns don't terrify me. Oh, okay. Just yeah. checking. No, no, no. But what about a transgender squirrel? Does that terrify you? No. I think okay. I would be hard to tell, I think. <laughs> They're very uh kind of the same looking animal. I think Gary's transgender. Your dog? Yeah. Well, uh, why do you think that? Well, I mean he loves Frank now, so my favorite thing ever was when you first got the dogs and their names were Gary and Frank and then they got <laughs> boners and then your kids were at school and their <laughs> teachers are calling and go, why are your kids talking about who are Gary and Frank and why are their dicks out? Uh, like, yeah, these, these, are, these are the days. That, these, are, these are times. Okay so, okay, so maybe to you, a service animal slash comfort gerbil or comfort peacock, that's not weird enough for you. Did you see all that Quincy Jones stuff that came out? I not read Quincy I, Jones from... Our show. No, 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 Quincy Jones, the real Quincy Jones. <laughs> the real Quincy Jones. Did you read I, that stuff? Yeah, dude. I read oh it. my I god. Read it. I read that article yesterday. Now here's the thing. Either he has dementia or he's finally at a point in his life where he's like, here's what I know. I'm done with this shit. It's time to just dump this out. I don't know that Quincy Jones was ever a guy to like bite his tongue. I don't think he was ever like, but when being asked specifically about things. Well, first off, he laid his tongue out on the table yeah. and let, I mean. Yeah, it, dude. I mean, it was. Some of it you're like, whatever. But the Richard Pryor's. Well, the Marley confirmed, yeah. by the way, by but, the family. Yeah. All that. So it's like, none of it. I mean, the Kennedy stuff, whatever. Of course, we all know Kennedy was killed by somebody. It's like, you know, have your fun with your conspiracies. But it's just amazing. The guy's just dumping. Yeah. So yeah. it, I think did he say something about O.J. Simpson did go to space? I can't remember. Was, oh. that, was that one of them <laughs> no. two? Capricorn I, One was real. I, I got first of all, Capricorn <laughs> One was an awesome movie. I love that movie. If you've never seen Capricorn One, I have. I actually have never seen it. I have an album. What? I found an album of Capricorn One. I've never seen the movie. Oh, I have the. You should. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll lend you the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, my dad owned it on DVD, so I got it. <laughs> but like. It's a great movie. NASA is going to send these guys into to Mars, the first mission to Mars. Last second, they pull them off the rocket the, the, because they're like, we didn't know what was going on. There's some there's a malfunction, but we've gone this far. We have to launch the rocket, whatever their reasoning is. They launch the rocket. Then they take these guys to a, a hangar, an airplane hangar in the desert, and they film, they make a Mars set. So they put these guys on the set, and they make them do experiments, and they videotape it, and they pretend these are the signals that are coming back from Mars. Now, you do know that there are a lot of people that still to this day believe that Stanley Kubrick is the one that created... Yeah, did the... Exactly. This is based... This is that theory, but like with a mission to Mars. And then, when the rocket is coming back... Yeah. It explodes on national television, and they're like, "Well, we have to kill the astronauts." Oh, okay, that's, and then the movie. that's okay. The, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks. No, I mean, thanks, Six Sense for wrecking everything because I was. Oh, you and know, in the end, Bruce Willis. Well, thanks. Sam well, we Jackson. can find out if any of that is true because you know our our, our guest we're going to bring in in a second is a director, and I'm assuming he's part of the secret society, so he knows the yeah. truth. They have to they have to sign a a waiver, I think, in order yeah. to tell the secrets of all the directors of what they've lied to us about, right? So. Um, but no, I think some of the greatest quotes, though, of the Quincy Jones stuff, I don't know if you saw this or not, right? That one, he basically said that Marlon Brando wanted to have sex with everything, even if it was a mailbox. And then Richard Pryor's family confirmed that and said, that is true. Back then, everybody was having sex with everything, including heaters. And I was like, what's with all the inanimate object love? Like, uh, were people that out of control? Did I lose you? You need to stay off your phone. That's no, you dude, I wanted to look up the hamster thing. Well, what? It's NBC News. They did flush it down the I toilet. Told, 
I didn't make any. I'm just oh, you. Do you understand? God. We have time stamped. How weird of a world do we live in right now? Here's this the is, deal. This is our news cycle. This is what's going on in the world. This is what people are doing. They're bringing comfort peacocks and gerbils on planes. And then and, and having sex can... with inanimate objects in the 70s and not telling us until now. Marlon and now Brando we know. fucked a mailbox. That's the world from back then. Now we're trying to like murder peacocks because they can't go on a spirit. <laughs> First of all, Spirit Airline, how are they that judgmental? Don't bring a... Look at the... I've, the things that go on in Spirit Airline, That the service animals are the least of their problems. <laughs> Man, that's insane. And first of all, that flight, like that could not how important was that flight? Like, I'm flushing the animal down the toilet. I gotta go to Well, that's I gotta get to too. Baltimore. There's something I mean, I don't know this woman, but there's some there's a there's something going on. There's this everything this is just one of those days where I was like, all this information hits me and I'm like, we're we're so screwed. There everything is starting to make sense in the she world. She accused now. Spirit Airlines of causing her tearfully of causing her to tearfully flush pebbles the hamster down the toilet. In an airplane, Pebble, pebbles. Back. Okay, now, pe- now, the, the <laughs> I'm done. We could, we gotta stop talking about it because this, this, this is gonna wreck everything. We are here. This is a very, very special uh, episode. She's not even. She's kind of annoying looking. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> well, now we're see we're basing <laughs> basing it on looks. <laughs> gotta look that video up. Oh, don't do it. See now. See I'm. See what I've done. In its own weird ways, I, I have I, I told the story about how my it was wrong for my kids to appreciate it, and yet now I've probably done the exact opposite. I've gotten you and more no, people to want to look. No, it no, up. no, no. But look, dude, it's, I don't think it's right. real. Personally, you're, you're, I think it might your be kids fake, should 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 know that that's wrong. I don't. I'm not trying to impress. Can they know kids. it's wrong and enjoy it at the same yes, time? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, dude. Of says course. says the only guy in the room right now that doesn't have kids. All right. So anyway, let's let's uh, um, let's bring in our guest. Uh, is the um, of the secret society, as I referred to before. Yes. And, and by the way, uh, um, an Academy Award winner, which... Student Academy Award winner. But doesn't winner. matter. See, he gets so... Fa- I, wanna, I have to bring this up because you I get was... technical, man. Come on. It, right, Alonzo Mayo is here. He is the director of Fixed. A movie uh, that Brian... Also, uh, also one of the writers of Fixed. You guys co-wrote I mean, quite together. frankly, I mean, he's pretty much everything of Fixed in the big picture. <laughs> right. Like, Producer, director, writer. It was a team project. I mean, he... Well, no, but I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it was an indie project. Yes, it and was. And you're obviously... You've made two independent films, and it's like the one thing I will say is that this guy's dialed in. Like, he... Uh, he's very level-headed and understands the process, and I've never, I never saw you get too shaken by anything. And I, I have to say that that's a special skill when it comes to doing independent films. You mean like it didn't that. freak out and you, like make a scene? Well, you plug no, no, you from beginning from the germ of an idea all the way to now. I mean, you just you plug away. You're like, I, you understand what this is, and you don't let it like completely destroy or affect you or you know eventually give up or whatever so i mean it's or it's, lose I, interest you yeah. know what i mean or eventually the only thing like, he's lo- peter out and be like eh, yeah. i don't want to do this anymore the only thing he's lost interest clearly is is academy award so i'm at his house <laughs> that's where he's like eh. so one of the first times we meet and then we'll, we'll get back to the thing so one of the first times we meet i'm like you know when you're you're kind of standing around talking and i'm looking on his shelf and i see Academy Award. <laughs> and I'm looking closer at it. You're like, is this fake? And is I was like, hey. I'm like, hey, hey, is it? Did you? And he goes, yeah, but it's a student one. Just walks away. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, but it still says Academy Award on it. What do you it's mean? Still it's very like, shiny. It's still very shiny. You a- ask what, him. What ask him. Mean? And watch how, watch how he dismisses it. What do you mean, Student Academy Award? What does that mean? That means it's uh, you know, it's uh, for student projects. So it's like it's it's not it's not a statuette. You know, it's 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 actually a a box, but it's got the logo. It's 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 a pretty it's pretty cool. But it's you get cool. it from the Academy. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, I've never <laughs> met anyone who's won one of those, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. What a, whatever. I yeah, mean, exactly. Whatever. Whatever. Have I? Have I? You want to see my pie eating contest trophy that I won in third grade? Because it's pretty tall. <laughs> hey, I have that a, show skill too, man. And a lot of yeah, I, it does. I have a trophy. It's for winning fantasy football. And you know where that's going to get me in this business? Absolutely. We're going to get you a trophy. Nowhere, Brian, for and, this movie. We're going to get you a trophy. <laughs> a participation trophy. <laughs> You did it, Brian. It's our Good job. I already got plenty of those from coaching my kids, so that's there's no victory. Coach Dave, it's Brian, but thank you for the trophy. Uh, no, but so anyway, yeah. So the, he's the rock of 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 the uh, not the not the Dwayne Johnson. He's the rock, uh, guys. He started as a wrestler. Yeah. Um, when uh, oh, fixed. And when the movie comes out, when. Uh, it'll be out on Valentine's We're calling it Valentine's Day. It comes it's out the on day the before, 13th. actually, yeah. The yeah, day that's before. why. But, yeah. but let's be honest. I mean, Valentine's Day Valentine's is day. easy to Valentine's remember. Day. And it is Fixed. a relationship. Ultimately, it is a relationship film. It is a family film. It is about trying to figure out how to be a family man, about how to be a parent. It's but, about uh, Brian's vasectomy, too. <laughs> I was going to say, it's very... It I just I've seen it twice now. Uh, I love it. Very autobiographical. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I, I it only, feels just, that way. Okay, the reason why I say no, it is not, is, for, for first off, um, I, I did have a vasectomy. Alonzo has not had a vasectomy. A lot of the conversation which took place um, was because we were coming from two different points of view in there. So, yes, there are pieces of both of us in that film. Sure. But I want to be clear because there are other things that we manufactured in this film. Of course, dude. That did not, not happen in my life. Right. So when you watch it, you'll probably figure out real quick where those things are because I had to make those things clear to my wife, too, that I only pulled as well as he only pulled certain because he had to value the fact that his wife was more, way more engaged in the film process than my wife was completely detached. So she the saw it at the time, very end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the massage parlor scene? Is that what you're talking that about? That and some other things, yeah. There's a couple <laughs> other things that happened. But I want to be very clear. This is not a 100% It's not dead totally on. Brian's life, okay? Yeah, it's I not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I never realized that I had to move to Los Angeles, basically give up on my career, uh, get married, have kids, be standing in the middle of a, um, uh, 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 a preschool playground, uh, and eventually have an anxiety attack about vasectomies, minivans, and what has happened to my life, and also meet the same person that I'm ultimately <laughs> going to make this movie with in that same place. Well, you, so everything you everything is because of that place, Camelot Kids. And you do thank you, Renee. Thank Cam you. Camelot Kids is the school that is where Alonzo and Brian met. Met, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we 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 again in 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 kind of like a semi-social circle. We did not hang out. We actually didn't really get to know each other. Until... You're both parents. Nobody fucking hangs out. <laughs> hangs out. Like... Well, no, actually, you do. Actually, you do hang out. There's a lot of drinking. Yeah, there's a lot of drinking. Oh my god, there is. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. It's amazing. It's great. It's the only thing that kept me through, actually. But we actually didn't. Yeah, there, it, it is fun. You know, I don't know. Um, side side note to that, I don't. Growing up, I don't. There was no alcohol at any of my kids' parties. But these days, it seems to be the standard business practice. Uh, what it's, do you mean there was no alcohol at your parties when you were a kid? Kids' if, if parties. They, I have the pictures of my kids' parties. It was pretty much punch. And if your parents, and there was no parent. The other thing is, they were all drop-off parties. There yeah, was no parents. That's didn't why hang out. there was no alcohol, right? Yeah. If the parents were hanging out, if it was like any kind of kids' party where your family was there, there was drinking. Which is which is a weird dynamic, and you know we we cover this, but not this part of the topic in the film, which is that 
Um, the culture has changed. Where now the parents are attending and hanging out at all the parties, and and we're and we're miserable. But we're we're the ones <laughs> that chose to do it. Like we're choosing to be everywhere our parents children are. Parents are so involved now. Yeah. So I mean, I I remember when I was a kid, everybody was parents was divorced you know that's kind of the, the world i grew up in i think people are really they're trying i think because they, they kind of went through a lot of people like they're really trying to be like really good parents and it's really exhausting yeah <laughs> and frustrating. Yeah. every and once in a while you got to let it go hey you're going over to this kid's house for a birthday party great i got the afternoon off yeah, <laughs> yeah you just drop them off and but but there's a there's a stigma for some parents who are like hey you know so and so they always just drop their kids off and never stay no it's not that you want to <laughs> hang out with them but they get stigmatized that's right. why you need to have alcohol for yeah. them to stay. yeah stigma it up man but yeah so we didn't really know each other at the preschool per se and then one day he just creeped me out on facebook and like sent me a message you know, i'm just kidding about the creep out part, but like <laughs> he sent me a message on facebook and was like hey um, I've read some of your stuff on on Facebook or whatever. Uh, I think it's funny, which was very nice. And it does sound really that. creepy, man. And then he was like, "But you know, I I, uh, um, I, I was wondering if you want to get together." And I was like, "Okay, sure, yeah." I mean, okay, and sure. you know, looked at a couple pictures. Seemed like a decent family. It's like a young still. Marlon. <laughs> it's like a young Marlon Brando. Wait, what you have to do is you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to you have to look at the pictures in a way of making sure that he's not going through any shit. Right, like, right, right. Oh now, my like, God. Is his right? wife in all the pictures with <laughs> yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. Or did she, she drop off like two weeks ago? <laughs> I'm like, why are there no pictures of the kids anymore? And he's, it's like, oh, now he's at a bar? Who's this guy he's with? <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Like, oh, here he is with his shirt off. Exactly. At, at a concert? Oh like, God. what is this? <laughs> Who do you people hang out with? So, yeah, so we got together, and uh, um, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. I mean, I think your agenda was not necessarily at that time to get together to make a movie, correct? I would love it if you just went, and then we made the movie The End. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike Down walked out. like, oh, Go okay. see it, Valentine's Day. He's also an editor, On so he knows, how to, he knows cut, how to cut, get, cut, to the, cut, cut. get to the point. Uh, no, I did not necessarily want to make a movie at that point. Uh, I, you know, it was, it was way too close to home, but I just thought the stuff that you were doing back then, and with your podcast that you had before that about the dad stuff, I thought it was just hilarious. And I thought just the world, I had kind of a similar moment in the playground at Camelot, you know, just watching and kind of having this identity crisis and just, you know, you know, what the hell did I do with my life? And then pretty much everybody was going through that same thing. And then you drank together and it was okay. Uh, so, so I just thought that, you know, that, that, that dynamic was really cool. And I wanted to do something, not, not sure really what it was. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we got together and I heard about your vasectomy. Now, did and, he, uh, <laughs> when you said you heard about it, was that like other parents talking or was well, that like Brian going, well, Hey, what did you do? You want me to, I'll no. buy the coffee. I had a vasectomy. <laughs> no, but if, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I think I encouraged you to bring it up in yes. conversation at a party. Yes. And you were like, uh, okay. I mean, you were already, even in that conversation at that lunch that day, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was against the vasectomy. He thinks, no, he you'd thinks already the had idea it. of You'd already it. had yes. it. So he was yeah, against what you'd already was, like, in, in all seriousness, in his mindset, and I don't think it's changed to this day, was he didn't understand the need for it on, for either side, male or female. He just doesn't get it. Like, you live your life, things happen. That's how you got to roll, man. That's just. Life, right? <laughs> so he didn't really understand the point of going that far or that deep. But then I said, "Yeah, regardless of that, oh go God, to a party." Yeah. And what happened? I think a couple of days we had like this really big dinner party, just filled with parents, you know, just getting drunk. And then I did, I, I did what you asked me to do. I brought it up. And it was like a little nuclear bomb exploded because you had really quickly, like in a matter of seconds, you found out all of the guys who already had it, and the wives were so happy. I mean, they were just like. They were so happy, and they were, they were bragging, basically. They were bragging. And then all the other guys who hadn't had it were just, 
you know, scared. The most scared look I've ever seen. You know, like, you know, some guys are totally fine. They don't, you know, give it one way or another. But I think most people find themselves in one camp or another. Either you're like, okay, you know, I don't want more kids. That's the very rational thing to do. And the other side is like, it's my balls, you know. And Um, if they say that in front of their wives, that pisses their wives off. Oh, my God, the fights, the fights. Wow. <laughs> well, but again, you have to understand, look at it from the female point of view, which is what you learn, is that women, like, if, if, if somebody says to you, just get the vasectomy, having done it, I'm like, yeah, it is a pretty simple procedure. And if you're like, yeah, that's not going to happen, and the woman's like, oh, okay, so <laughs> I've already destroyed the insides of my body to have our children. Oh, yeah. I, I have to stay on a pill that's changing the- My hormones, <laughs> making me insane. That's changing the inside of my body, or- I can go get fixed, and that means cutting my body open, open and yeah. and doing an invasive surgery. But that's okay. You just you know you, you go keep ahead your and, balls in yeah. case you want to swing them at some fucking college cheerleaders <laughs> later on. In life. The guy, like, the guy argument, I admit, is very weak. But 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 still, you know, it's this thing that I think you know a lot of guys have inside. It's just like you don't you don't mess with that, man. You just don't mess with because that. Because I found very quickly most guys go to the panic zone. Which like, did you, hear, <laughs> did you hear about that one about Ricky when he did it and his like balls exploded afterwards? Oh my and god! Like, and so they pan, they right. they hear these There's stories. There's always that story that one story. Right, guys, they, they, they pop rocks and had a Coca Cola yeah. and then his balls <laughs> fell off. <laughs> but that's what they hang their hats on. And then, oh, quite frankly, god. a lot of it isn't even that much. It is just. Flat out immaturity. It's like it they, is, they, it is, it is. they think it's going to be like a dog. You, you balls are taken away. You get fat. <laughs> you become disinterested. That's called being and over you let, forty. And you let other dogs <laughs> hump you, and you just don't stop them. That's what they think is going to happen. <laughs> I got a vasectomy, so now I just lay here where, where homeless men hump me. <laughs> too, I'm too, I can't run away because my balls were snipped. But it's, it is. It's just. It's just flat out immaturity. And the women have such a different and more educated perspective and a more grown-up perspective of it, and therein lies the rub. There's That's the actual real argument, is the fact that women are like, yeah, yeah, okay, so I've studied this. Um, I've lived uh, uh, the destruction of the human body. Um, you've just been over there on the sidelines, you know, cheering on sometimes, and then the rest of the time... Being uh, annoying right. and get, watching sports <laughs> with your friends and asking yeah. if you can go to concerts on Valentine's right, Day. Right, right, the, the The time, I think, when you mentioned it also, I mean, apart from that dinner party and just hearing it all over the place, you know, I had I had two kids by that point. I think a lot of people we, we were around at, in the preschool had mm-hmm. two kids. Two, just a yeah. lot of them had already had their second one. A lot of people had just one, and they were like one and done and like whatever, but some people had two... And that that point where you are like, oh my god, a third one could come, and that that fear, I think, you know, at that point in 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 time, a lot of people were either thinking about having that third one or thinking about the vasectomy. So it was suddenly it was like everywhere. I was hearing about it everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of it was kind of insane from going from never even considering anything about that because why uh, to suddenly like, oh my god, this is a real thing and. People are freaking out, and I'm freaking out. And then that, that's when I was like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, you're right, Brian. It's a story. And we'll do your vasectomy story as a movie. Yes, yeah, people do freak out. Cause, cause <laughs> we'll I, make I, your autobiography. And, and you know, I, I think you touched on something really important, Alonzo, which is for a lot of people, two is about the number you want for kids. So then everything after that, you're playing with fire, right? Like you, yes. it's, it's an expense. Uh, so you get you get you get older. You're worried that something is going to go wrong. Like there's all these other things that come into play. Sure. So it creates a level of anxiety on uh, on on many different um, fronts, you know. And that's so. I mean, again, it's all these things that go in, and not to mention the fact just your daily life of being a parent. 
Um, you know, and basically waking up and saying, today I'm going to, nope, no, I'm not. I forgot. The kids are going to tell me what I'm going to end up doing today based on their behaviors, their feelings, their, their wellness. All those things are the things that come into play. Yeah. And every day there's just a little bit of that punch in the gut. And I mean this in the nicest way, but it kind of just keeps punching in the gut a little bit, tap, tap, tap. And then you just kind of just settle in and you kind of, I think as a, as a, as a male who's trying to be involved, I think you just wake up one day and you feel like you gave up a little bit and that's when you freak out because you feel like you it was an unwilling choice and then you have to come to terms. Is it a willing choice that's or true, an unwilling yeah. choice, which is a big part of our movie, would you agree? I agree, I agree. It's uh, it's very scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as with anything in life, if you accept what's happening, it becomes easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, but how do you, you fight against something? Then it will be always. Forever. But if you feel like uh, by accepting it, you're giving something up, and I think that's the issue. That whole thing of like you had all these plans in your head, you had this dream, these goals you had, and if suddenly if you feel accepting it is kind of giving up on those things, that's what just makes you crazy. Absolutely, just like because I mean, giving up, especially for people who who had very you know strong goals, you know, in in a lot of people we meet here, you know, people in particular in L.A. have you know they come here particularly because they have all these like, dreams and uh, you know goals, and so so when you're kind of like reevaluating all that, it's it's hard, man. It's really hard. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like, I just don't understand how you guys can make a movie about a vasectomy. So when we sat down about it, the vasectomy, stood for something that way. It wasn't just about the it's actual not just about physical no, no, no. procedure. Of course not. Right. It was about <laughs> that would be a real boring <laughs> fucking movie. No, but but it's it's it really and and this is what Alonzo probably found out at the dinner parties. This is what I found out going through the process. Is for a lot of people, it's the it's to them they see it as the beginning of the end of something. It's a very definitive procedure because the the doctors do tell you the pamphlets talk about it. It's like don't you dare come in here if you have any question marks because that's that that's not what this is about. And so, like, that, that's a very definitive thing for somebody to say to you. It's like, you better right. be very clear about where you are in your life when you do this. And that's what I think for some guys are like, yeah, and reversals whoa, whoa, whoa. are way yeah. too expensive for most people. Right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, what, what's the cost of a reversal? It's well, a lot. And it, but they also don't want to talk about that. They yeah. don't want you coming in and talking about reversals. <laughs> well, why? I what, mean, why don't they want money? I mean, who cares? They're, they're you not, want to go back uh, and forth on your junk. That's their, your business. Well, because I don't think there's a guarantee. No, there's no guarantee. Yeah, yeah there's so it's no like guarantee, you don't yeah. want to start getting into that. That's like, that's like saying, well, I'll take your kidney off for right now. Maybe we'll put it back. If later. you need it later, we'll give it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it really was about that and and um you know the minivan thing is that i we get it it's it's a minivan joke but i will tell you <laughs> that um <laughs> the reason why i think minivans even for me because i drove a minivan for years and i'll never forget the night we bought our minivan oh my God. we got rid of a, our tahoe and it was it was at night so by the time we bought the minivan got home pulled it out front you know like we still i still kind of live in a neighborhood and i remember a couple of the neighbors came out because they saw that we got a new car and I'm kind of standing, and I'm looking at the minivan, and my neighbor comes over, Jonathan, uh, next door, comes over, and, he, and uh, he's like, so you, you got it, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I go, you know what's it's interesting, man? I said, you know, the way they make these now, like, to, you know, if you look at them, they don't really look like minivans. And he, he stops, and he goes, <laughs> he goes... it's a minivan, dude. And the sooner you accept that, the better off your life is going to be. The fact that you think you just didn't buy a minivan is ridiculous. And he patted me on the shoulder and just walked away. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's right. I'm like, I bought it, and I was still in denial. Yeah, you're like, no, it like, kind of looks like a sports car. No, it, <laughs> it drives really like well. <laughs> Handles around curves so like space. a Porsche. But honestly, in my, I was trying to tell myself something. Like I, wasn't, I was trying to say to myself, you're not losing anything, man. You're not losing anything, right? And I, 
I wanted a Jeep. I, thankfully, I got my Jeep. I eventually got my Jeep. <laughs> cool. It needs to go to the shop today, does it? Yeah. <laughs> but I got my Great. Jeep. Great. <laughs> I mean, there's, you feel horrible as a man driving around a minivan. I'm sorry. You just feel well, different. I, honest to God, my parents, I remember the day <laughs> they came home with their minivan. I was like, this car is fucking awesome. And yeah, I, but that was you. And it wasn't yours. Do you have a minivan, Alonzo? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a third row. The principal but, uh, at my they school. They always sell you on the third. You're not going to get the, the third row. The female. That's in the movie. The female principal at my school, I came with my, my minivan. She laughed at me. The principal laughed oh at my me. God. <laughs> Who are these fucking assholes you're hanging no, out they, with, No, they're man? right. They were, in the moment, they were right. Dude, I could live in a minivan. But okay. they're scared for themselves. I mean, when you laugh at somebody, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh my God, thank God that's not me, but it could be. Again, Very another symbol of settling for something that you didn't probably see yourself in. I'm not, I have nothing against, let me tell you something, having the minivan, dude, you could do anything you want in those things. They are amazing <laughs> Except be machines. a single guy yeah. out on the town. <laughs> <laughs> you do anything you want. You know what's funny? Except bird dog, other ladies. When I was driving around, this is what I would tell myself in my head when I didn't have the kids, and I'm like, this is for production. I, this is a production You gotta band. put, like, just <laughs> put a number on the side, like Transpo, <laughs> just have a walkie-talkie yell out the window all the time. <laughs> Transpo, Brian for Transpo. <laughs> I'm a driver. I'm driving people. <laughs> Women are like, who is this psycho yelling at me? <laughs> oh shit. So anyway, so get that's... personalized plates like TV me. <laughs> but I actually I, I enjoy what was um uh, and Alonzo, one of the things I'd like you to kind of talk about, because a lot of people, um, now that this movie is coming out, it did take a while to come out, but not really in the big picture. It doesn't take as long as many, many movies that get made. And you had a what I appreciated about working with you is that you had an ideology about how to go about making this movie, meeting certain deadlines, having agendas, and having goals. Can you kind of just share that? Because your, your theory was that right. that was the only way it was ever going to get done. Right. Well, I, I'd done another indie uh, before. And this, this one actually was very different because uh, uh, the, the thing about this one is that we did it for next to nothing. Yeah. So it really was very much a, like we pulled favors out of places i didn't even know we had favors uh, so that that's the only way it got done and and that's the the reason why we pulled the trigger so it actually we did it faster than you know i've i've ever heard anybody make one in the sense that we met i think in january mm-hmm. and then we had a an a, just of, like of a, what year Sorry. Uh, 2015. Okay. 2015, right? Wow, so that it is took quick. a little longer. Yeah. Or was it 2016? I don't I know. I, I think, I feel like it's been two years. Maybe it was 2016. I yeah. can't remember. Uh, so maybe it was 2016. Let me check but, my messages. But regardless, it, it, post took a little longer, but for example, uh, uh, January, <laughs> oh my God, kids make your your, your head completely like a uh, go. <laughs> uh, I don't, either 2015 or 2016 in January, uh, that's when we first sat down. And in February, we had, we kind of had the idea. We had a little like rough outline the the script was ready in April, but you but your theory was um, like, hey man, we have to give us, we have to say it has to be, we have to yeah. lock something by such and such date, yeah, because otherwise creatively we'll 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 kind of like go, well, we could do exactly more. exactly. Could- so the whole point, like once we decided to like, this is a cool idea, and and when the project I was working at that time fell through, uh, suddenly. Uh, my summer was open, and uh, Nina, my wife, who's also my producer's summer was open. Uh, a lot of the people I like to work with, their summer was open. So we we're like, we have a window right now that we could actually, you know, work with really cool people this summer if we if we get this going, and if we do it for very little, and and we, we kind of kind of had a rough number of what we could hit, I think, if we had to, and uh, and it happened. I mean, it was just it was crazy. We had a script. Uh, 
we uh, the, the financing came through very fast. Very little financing, right? <laughs> <laughs> very little financing. And, the lunch uh, money came through at the exactly. right time. Exactly. We had enough money to eat, and we got deals everywhere. Yeah, and we then did. we casted, we shot. I mean, it was kind of insane how fast it, it, it came through. And of course, like once you get to post, like, you know, just because you know, things are expensive, then things kind of slow down a little bit because you're waiting for everybody to, you know, give you their big favor that they can't yeah. really do on, on your time. So it slowed down a little bit, but but I, I was super happy that we, we, we made a plan, we stuck to it, and, uh, and it happened, dude. Yeah, and one of the interesting things, um, one of the big reasons why um, you stick to that timeline as well is for those that are not familiar with the business, more actors are typically available during the summer months certain parts of the summer months. So you so a lot of features, specifically independents that are trying to squeeze some people in in a few days, you try to get it during that window, right. uh, especially if they work in television. A lot of people work in television. You know, the, the stigma of being television film, that's long gone, right? Yeah. So there was also that, like, if we shoot it during this time, we'll have better options that's available that's I would us. think it's like summer or like right around Christmas. Oh, God, yeah. I <laughs> think that one scares me Nobody more. wants well, to stay home. You. <laughs> no, nobody wants to, but I'm saying like, in a pinch, like that's when you would be able to get people who might not be busy in those you know, that's true, few they, weeks. That's true. Absolutely. If you need somebody yeah. to shoot someone out in a day, you know, you do it the twenty third of December, whatever. That's well, true. And a couple other things that I think we had talked about was that we wanted to have a feel of Los Angeles where we lived. So there was a little bit of a you know that look <laughs> that you'll see that in the film. We did we did you know that I believe that was a conscious effort on your part to at least get a little bit of that look that feel. But um, I don't know how in depth we want to get into this <clears> part of it, but I think. Our initial struggle um, uh, was with casting. Remember, we, 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 we wanted, because L.A. is very diverse. Right. And so I remember us having that conversation about, you know, tr trying to get a diverse cast because that's the world that we lived in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And initially, <clears throat> the submission, it was hard. It was, Hollywood really... Uh, I don't. I don't know why, but it was. It was. It was. We weren't getting. Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about. It. I don't think anybody was doing anything wrong. It was just. I when we, when getting we wrote there. it, we were. We were very open about. You know, we didn't really care, especially race wise. We didn't care what race anybody was. Well, when you think about and, because what my, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, but no, like no. what brings the characters in the movie together? Yeah, they're friends, but they're friends because their wives are friends and their kids exactly. go to the same <laughs> school and everything. You know what I mean? So it makes sense that there'd all be different people from different backgrounds who have sort of been like over the course of time, have gotten to like each other, but at the same time, we're like, you know, the, their podcast is clearly an excuse to get around and just not be around their wives for a little while. It's like, um, but they're also from very different backgrounds. They're it's all a good excuse people. to, oh, I mean, and they're the, the, and just, you know, the, the, the three friends in the movie are, yeah. They have a podcast. Yes, yeah. <laughs> about sports, but it's never about sports. Yeah. It's always about, <laughs> it's about whining. kids and whining. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, again, it's it's parenting that brings everybody together, ultimately, right? right? right so, right. like, I, I think one of, one of uh, and I think, Alonzo, you may have brought this up initially, we were like, you know, look, you know, also that diversity helps us from a dialogue standpoint, from a character development standpoint, because it's also bringing people from different perspectives of life. And how they see things. Otherwise, it's like you're not going to want to make a movie about everybody that has the same idea, the same plan, exactly. The same and, th and this one particularly because uh, I was uh, regarding like actors in the script. Like the script was meant to be like riffed on, like improvised. I mean that that was kind of the plan from the beginning. I mean we had like a, a solid script, but 
But I always knew from the beginning that I wanted actors who, who hopefully had some life experience and, and that would be able to kind of make it their own. And I, had, I have had great experiences with that, with having actors come in and kind of, uh, you know, play with the lines and, and bring in their own things. And that's kind of one thing we were really hoping for. I think at the end we did get, we had such an amazing cast. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the best lines are, you know, kind of came up on the day. Uh, thank God, you know, they made us writers look so much better. Yeah. And I, the, the, the cast... Casting um, and, and ultimately uh, um, how you you got to that, I'm always blown away by because it's casting is not easy, man. It's you tedious, man, and you got you see a lot of especially if you're asking for submissions. You know what I mean? You're going to see a lot of stuff, especially what with what we were paying. Yeah, uh. but I mean, you were, but but honestly, I mean, just just quickly going down, you know, the cast list from Andy Como, who in the end. Oh, it was could a, not have, and you. I think you said this the last time we screened it together. You were like, "This, I mean, this guy." Just looking at him, you could just, you knew he was the character. Just, just he's literally a, his face alone. You were like, I, "I feel his pain." He looks like if Brian Irwin and Eddie <laughs> Pence had a baby, because he's got he's got like Eddie hair. He uh, and Nelson Franklin, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Leonard Roberts, Courtney Hengler, and then then you know you, you keep expanding it out from there. You know, uh, it was with- a nail biter. I mean, that's the thing about making films and and, and putting yourself deadlines. That you're also kind of at the whim of of who's who's kind of coming to the auditions yeah. and who's submitting and and who you know all, all that kind of stuff. So it was it was really a nail biter until the end. We didn't have a full cast until days before we started shooting. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And, wow. And uh, Andy Como walked in. You know, honestly, like not even a week before we started shooting, yep. we were ha- we were just about to um, to to put a hold on it, and and that would have met may- maybe not doing it at all because it was like the perfect storm. Um, that is the thing about yeah. independent filmmaking that a lot of people don't probably realize is that there is some one thing like that where you're like, we can't lock in a main guy. Right. Let's try to do it next week. Doesn't you work, and yeah. then next week is gone. Next, everybody gone. else's because never, that go, movie go never away. gets made. The, no matter how great the idea, if you're not seeing what you want. But here's the thing: <clears throat> I think if you kind of just you take a breath, and you kind of just let you know, kind of just see what's going on around you. It, only reason why I, I, I bring up that theory of like it's going to work itself out in the end was because as Andy was coming in, I received a text from Peter Sprite who said, "Hey, I was thinking um, I was going to reach out to this guy because he knew we were struggling." Trying to find a, a, a lead guy, and he goes, "I know this guy, Andy Como." No, I don't. That, I thought no, I told you, you didn't that. Tell me that. That's fine. And and I was going to tell Alonzo, and then I saw the sheet, and I was like, "Oh, he's right there. He's on the sheet." It was like the la- I think it was the the last round of like he wow. was almost the last guy to come in, and and, and I was like, "You yeah. got to be kidding!" I'm thinking to myself, "You got to be kidding me!" So I texted Peter back. I'm like, "You're not going to believe this, but he just showed up on the list." I was like, in the end, you kind of look at him like, "Boom!" Of course, there it is. There it is. <laughs> But but I want to I want to take it just a, a second to get inside of your head. It's still yeah you you put these you know words on a piece of paper, and you have an idea of who what this person looks like and feels like. But you're seeing a lot of people. At what point is it yes versus a leap of faith for these? Because you, you saw a lot of people and you had to cast a lot of different people. Right. And in the end, I saw it happen. Right. I'm a huge fan of ensemble cast, and when an ensemble cast works. It's amazing. It can fall apart. This time it worked. So in your mind, like, how do you put those pieces of the puzzle together? Like, how was your mind working there when you were like, yes, yes, right. for sure, for sure. Well, for the lead role, for the for the Allen role that Andy Como uh, ended up doing, I mean, we saw we actually saw a lot of really good people. Mm-hmm. We did see a lot of great people, but you you have something in mind, and I, and I think I'm by this point I'm good at like separating myself as a writer 
from the director who's trying to pick a role, but but still like uh, I we saw so many good people, but but none of them just hit that 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 feeling that I wanted you know our our lead to have. So even though we were seeing some amazing actors, you know, who had way too you know, I made two, two amazing credits to be auditioning for us, honestly. <laughs> uh, we had great casting directors who helped us out. Yeah. And, the, you know, people responded very well to the script. But, uh, but you know, that, that's the thing. Sometimes somebody walks in and they're like, yep, that's it. Uh, you know, I could just offer it to you right now because that's exactly what I had in mind. And, and um, same thing with some of these other guys. Uh, like Leonard, when he walked in, I, it was, I, was, I was blown away. I was like, man, that, that's perfect. And he can riff on it. Cause that's one thing like I like to do in auditions. I like to make him play around a little bit too, you know, and, and see if the, make sure that they can actually do that. And they, and they all had that, they all had that skill. They all, they were all very comfortable in their own skin. You know, they weren't too tied to the lines, you know, um, and, and they were willing to play. And, and that's, you know, we, we basically got a, a cast that wanted to play, you know, and they, they, they were like, this, this is a fun project you know, cool story, and we're gonna, and we can play, and it's gonna be, we're gonna make it, you know, even better than, than what it was. So, so I, you know, I, I guess that's how I was looking at it. I wanted people who would, uh, you know, work w- good w- uh, with others, you know, play well with others, play just with like kids. Exactly. <laughs> Did you do any kind of, uh, was there any time for like, uh, like a character there was like, absolutely like, no time for anything <laughs> like like, no. like can screen no. <laughs> chemistry tests or anything i like, can't wait till i you know we're gonna move i have enough money to do proper rehearsal in my first movie I actually did that with our lead we we had a long time with uh you know to, to rehearse which is you know story luke god. was the yeah, story other luke movie. was my first movie so thank god but we never had like to really have full-on cast rehearsals you know i hear about some of these big directors getting like you know, weeks, you know, <laughs> like, no, no, no. So we didn't have, basically, uh, I think they met each other in my house, you know, uh, that all the, the leads, you know, we kind of had a little get together a few days before we started shooting and that was it. Basically, wow. it wasn't even like we, we. I wasn't even about to run lines or anything. It was just about yeah, the, you'd be meeting each other and yeah, just getting just to so know they each all other. Meet yeah. each other on set, sure, and you know, just kind of you know, shooting the shit and, and drinking a little, and then that was that was it. That was it. Yeah. But honestly, we didn't have. Uh, in this one, we didn't have the time or the money to to do like proper rehearsals. But but you know what? Uh, they were so good that I wasn't worried about that. Um, you know that the you know sometimes you you know you know especially with indie stuff sometimes you you work with with uh, some groups where you're like oh my god I'm 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 kind of nervous about this because I'm not sure how they're gonna perform and you know am I gonna have to do a million takes and this one you know take one was always good you know it was it was basically it was always it was just about tweaking it and making it better and then at some point you know if take two was already amazing I would be like well now let's have fun now let's mix it up you know and then uh, and then you know maybe we did four takes max and at the end and the last one was usually always kind of like uh you know uh, you do whatever you want yeah. and a lot of that ended up in the movie uh, that's yeah. great that's great and four takes i mean in the scheme of things that's moving pretty quick well so uh, i i will i will speak again going back to the ideology of, of kind of uh, of what alonzo's talking about um having worked as you know herald examiner and all the stuff hundreds and hundreds of independent features that i worked thousands on. Most of them are not managed well. That's the right. problem. They're not managed well. The people <laughs> yeah. come into it for all the wrong reasons. They're just collecting a paycheck. Everybody there, they grind them out, and that was a big thing. And, and by the, the way, beginning. independent filmmaking is a real shitty way to just collect a paycheck. Well, <laughs> that is like a terrible idea. If that's well, if that's what you're in it for, then move on. Hell, then you need to talk to Gary Busey. So here's the thing, because he did a lot of them. Well, Him and Steven Seagal. Yeah, but, right, but so, guys like that are the ones. The, that's where the budget goes. Yeah, they get well, all the right. money for that. 
about. But but my my point was that the ideology and a lot of this, um, I, I have to credit to Nina, is that it was like, look, here's the deal. You know, between Nina and Alonzo, and then me sitting down with them to help them produce this, it was like the the ideology was like, look, we're not going to grind these people. We're going to bring in people that want to work together. That if if you're just coming here and you're going to be grumpy day two, you know we can find somebody else. It's like we're gonna we're gonna support each other. Yeah, we're not gonna have long days, and which is which is you know where Alonzo really comes in is the fact that he was a great game manager. Like he knew how to get the most out of the day. I, I mean, I felt bad for him some days because I felt like, oh my god, this guy's gonna explode because he's so <laughs> obsessive, but. He cared. He cared about how many hours that day was going to go and wanted to make sure he was making his days because he didn't want people to get, you know, a week into this and, and you start spewing. Well, you st- if, if it starts spiraling out of control, yeah. Whatever creative energy you, you start with, if it's gone a couple days in, a week in, the whatever product you're now working on, you're not going to get what you thought you were going to get out of it no. and now it's a waste of time. No. So there there is that ideology of like we're going into this and we're going to treat each other with respect. We're going to have fun. We're going to manage our days, and we're going to we're going to do this as best as we can. With it, it would limit the conflict. Honestly, that happened, and I think that it does reflect itself in the film. Now, that being said, what I'm blown away from uh, uh, as an outsider being on the inside of this film was that when this and I think you would agree with me, John, is that when you look at this movie, you would not think that we shot this on a shoestring budget. Uh, and and we're, we're not we were not run and gun, but we had to. This was a very short period of time we had to make this movie, and a lot of that is because of of the the I, the way Alonzo wanted this movie shot, and Tommy Maddox, oh, who is a great DP. Yeah. Those things matter; they oh. really do. Well, uh, one a director having a DP that they like, respect, and understand is crucial. You know, it's like having an AD that the director likes. It's like that's kind of a, that's those are super important things that can really make your day go much quicker you know then there's no arguments between the two well yeah he also understood like th- that was the thing and i would like you to kind of talk a little bit about this alonzo as well is that there's one thing is like directing actors and saying all right this is this is the scene let's just go for the joke or whatever it's a comedy but you actually wanted the movie to feel a certain way too where a lot of directors are just literally just shooting coverage and they're like right, Done, right? right that you took it one step further than just shooting coverage for comedy right right i mean um it it is. I mean, the, the the tone. I think it is kind of broad comedy. That's kind of what we were going for in the beginning. But we wanted also to to make it feel like real realistic in that sense. And and uh, and we mixed it up with with, with Tommy with uh, our DP. I mean, we we really made a plan on how we want this thing to look. And and there's actually a lot of transitional looks. So for example, there's uh, there's ways like the way the movie starts and the but but the, the way the movie looks in the beginning is completely different than the way that it looks in the middle. And there's like a and you wouldn't you almost the idea is that you don't notice as it's happening. Uh, but uh, you know by the time you get to the middle, and this is not just post up. This is stuff we did on set, which was kind of like we. Uh, you get tied down to it as well too. So it's, it's it's a big decision that you have to make when you <laughs> once you start you, doing it, you can't <laughs> stop halfway through. When you start it all, like, uh, like tilting the camera a certain direction, you know, <laughs> because you shoot out of order, right? Because you're shooting all around locations and shooting out actors, so the whole thing is shot out of order. Um, and and so so you have to pre-plan all these transition, you know, looks. 
and and you're stuck to him, right? So yeah. so once you do it, that's it. This is not something you can fix in post. So so we had a uh, we got together. We had a strong plan. We did some tests uh, in our heads. <laughs> we didn't have time to do actual proper tests, but I think we had worked enough that we knew what these things were going to look like. And then I think first first day we had that conversation of like, okay, this is going to happen. We pull the trigger and. And, you know, we're sticking to it. There's no going back because we couldn't afford reshoots as well. Right. <laughs> Was there anything to, because I think we were, are we talking about camera angle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's a few things that we did, like uh, with uh, there's some contrast lighting that we did, and there's also just the camera. The camera is tilted. It's on a thing called a tango head, which makes the it, tilt on the optical axis is the, the technical term. But basically, once you start doing that, you you can't straighten it. You know. Yeah. There's well, there's all yeah. well, there's no way to straighten out in post. But then what you're talking about lighting, like to even shoot a straight on, you'd have to relight. And redo everything. Oh yeah, yeah no, no. And we that we would did just some be, stuff that it was just like you. You can't come back from. No, you there have was to, no coming back. Yeah. It was like once it was done, it was done, and and I was happy with. It. I mean, we were. No, like, it looked great. Yeah. It looked great. But like you said, that is a that's a bold, and it sounds it sounds simple, but that is a bold move to just be like, okay, we all agree, this is what we're doing because yeah. we're about to do it, and if we, it's it's like you know blowing up a building or like launching a car or whatever. You're like. Yeah. Is everyone ready? Because this, no, there's no coming back from we this. Had a, we had that moment where the, even the actors were looking at us. Because when, when you see the camera looking like that, because it's like, it, it, it looks They're like, do really these guys weird. know? Yeah. Do they know that it's the camera's yeah. not? Hey, you guys are getting me in frame, right? <laughs> um, I'm in this, aren't I? Thanks. So I think they all, all the actors had that moment where they looked at it and they were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Did they question you know? it? Well, they were just, I think they were just like, yeah, they, they were kind of like, you know the camera is like. I mean, you explained kind of it to them what was going on, yeah. right? The the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the we reasoning. Did, we, did. we did, but but I think everybody was a little nervous that first day because they all know that once you do it, it's done. Yeah, right? and then they're like, "Are and we going to be in a whole Batman are exactly. Batman villains now?" Or <laughs> yeah, are we just Dutch angled uh, for the rest of our careers. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the whole camera. Crew, I mean, the, the camera people, camera crews. I think I think they loved it because they were like, "Oh my god, something we're doing different." Something, you know? Yeah, they're not Instead just going. Just uh-huh, like, uh-huh. Completely normal stuff, you know. So, so it was. It was. Uh, I was very happy, and it was. It, it, I think it worked, and we were cool with that. And and look, what you're talking about earlier about uh, you know the, keeping the team together. I mean that that was. I, I've worked in a lot of productions. Wife Nina, my, my wife and producers also worked in a lot of productions, and we worked in good ones and we worked in shitty ones. And I think after you work in enough shitty ones, you figure out. That, that how important it is to have a cohesive crew. You know, you, you want the crew to be working for you and to be and to feel like the movie is theirs too, because it is. You know, and so we, we, you know, very much from the beginning, we were like, first of all, we're not going to we're not going to go over. We're never going to go over because we're not paying them enough to go over. Right. We can't afford overtime. <laughs> but I mean, look, you find this in indie shoots where people just they go over all yeah. the time. They just go over. They go over, and and it wears on the crew. And and sometimes on top of that, there's like some bad attitude going yep. on, you know. And then and then it's just like, come on, no. So we were like, okay, first of all, we're gonna hire people that we know, that we love, that we like to work with, or, or people that that have been highly, highly recommended. Everybody was a complete professional, and you know, shouldn't honestly be doing movies this, this small, but but they did it because you know they they they, they love the project and, and they wanted to work with with the team. But uh, but we kept to it. I mean, I think I think it was one day we went over. Uh, that was it, you know. Yeah. And I think for a sixteen, uh, we shot it in sixteen days. I, th- I think I was pretty good, and we did, we went over for like I think an hour. Yeah, uh, and I bet there that, wasn't yeah. one complaint because when you have no, a crew like wasn't. that, when they get along and they see the the end goal in sight, and they, you know what I mean? It's like it's like you said, you must have worked on a lot of stuff where you watched people behave inappropriately and be rude and make things aggravating for other employees exactly. and like you see that and you're like i yeah. never want to be that person like when it's i'm a, in charge yeah. i'm gonna do it the opposite of that <laughs> and then that uh, to me that's 
That's awesome because that is that's what makes it not feel like work. Well, for, for me, I there's it, it, the, there's I have memories on set, the, uh, uh, and every set's going to have a little bit of ugly, a little bit of great, funny, all that. You're gonna it's like it's like a family. You're gonna have a little bit of everything yeah. in there, right? It's it's condensed and and you know for people that watch the movie, you're gonna get your memories from watching the movie. I have separate memories from watching the movie, and you're talking about that day. It went over. We had a little bit of a technical problem in the morning, and what I loved about that there was there's a um, Alan Ruck plays uh, the doctor in this in this film, and he, he was he was great. Fantastic, there's a whole yeah. step, we'll get to that whole side story <laughs> of how he got um, uh, cast as well. But um, we had this office scene, and um, we didn't have the lights yet, and Tommy. Just goes to his car. The DP just goes to his car. And goes and this is what I love. This is for me. Is that is that moment where you know everybody's in it for all the right reasons. He goes, all right. I'm just gonna go figure this out. And I was like, wait a minute. He's not gonna pull the arrogant <laughs> cinematographer thing and, and like you know go put his scarf on and throw a fit over in the corner. He literally. I think it was minimalistic lighting. Yeah. You'll never be able to tell no, if you watch the movie. But I. It was. It was one of those moments where I was like, oh. This is this is what sh- people should be doing on a film set. And s- <laughs> finding finding solutions without freaking out, and still understand. Like he had to also have the knowledge. Like this is this. I can't just you know patch this together. It's got to fit everything else we're doing. Right. But he he just literally was like a MacGyver and just went and just took care of it. And I was like, that was for me. Like days on set, I was like, that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that dude just figured it out. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you remember what I'm talking yeah, about. You made, were right we there. We made our day, and uh, you know, and that, that's the most important. I mean, everybody has to be on that that headspace of like we have to make our day, and yeah. you know, and stuff always goes wrong. So when always. stuff goes wrong, you have to figure out okay. Okay, I can't get into that location until that time for whatever reason. Or we get or... locked into one. Exactly. Like the, the, <laughs> we couldn't get out of. Remember, we got we uh, we we did a night shoot uh, in Allegiant Park, I think. Remember? Oh yeah. I think you were gone, and I had to get everything else out. And we got down to the bottom, and they had locked us in. <laughs> the guy that ran the park couldn't find him. We literally are sitting there going, "All right, um, I guess we're spending the night Do at we the live park here now." The day we went over, yeah. Yeah, and we couldn't we couldn't find him, and then eventually. And you know what the thing is about the park? You know, we're we were filming at the top of the hill. It's like a ten minute drive down. Uh, He's somewhere up there. Uh, There's no lights in the park. He doesn't answer his phone. Of course, cells never seem to work on mountains, which never makes any sense to me. I don't get that whole thing. The but, coyotes were like yeah. uh, <laughs> yipping in the background it's everywhere. Like, but oh. eventually, you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> stuff like that where like. As long as you got a couple people that you kind of know, you just laugh it off. You're like, all right, we're going to figure this out. Like, I think one of the last nights we were filming that we had this minivan, and I still have some video somewhere. Some this minivan, shit, it man. was a legitimate piece of shit. I can't remember how our one of our, uh, I think our UPM, I think he found it on Craigslist yes, or something yes. like that. Like, straight up, like, something creep. Like, there was probably crimes committed in this thing, and they were just trying to get extra fingerprints on it yeah. to get theirs off of it. So yeah. like, yeah, yeah, give it to those movie people. It was in a movie. I didn't kill anybody. Because the guy never seemed to care about this minivan. But why the problem was that, well, that, in the end, why would he? Because there were days that the damn thing wouldn't start. No. It was just, it uh, felt, and then when it was time to return it, that was the last day. I got stuck with a bunch uh-huh. of the PAs behind a Ralph's. I don't know how we ended up there. We got stuck behind a Ralph's. It just died. 
and we sat there for three hours trying to figure out. Did we, we just, have another scene with it? Or no, we, oh, we were trying God, to get we're rid of it. All right. And so, <laughs> so we set it on fire in the Ralph's parking lot, and that was the last we ever saw of it. Trust me, we uh, uh, we wanted to definitely <laughs> set that thing on fire, and actually, it was, uh, kind of found its way into the film a little bit too. Yeah, we kind of wanted to like throw it down a hill, yeah, once burning, but we couldn't afford that. I would yeah. totally have done that. That could. damn thing! Oh my God! That would that would have been that would have been nice. That would have been a nice satisfying. Like he gets to like in the end. And like, <laughs> I just pushed it off a hill and set it on fire. Yeah, I would say that the minivan was our Gary Busey of the film. It was the most difficult actor of the film. It was like, just not willing to always cooperate. But then, but it's character. But because of that, it became part of the film the way it. we, we wanted it, it to I mean, it's, as yeah. well. That's the beauty of it, right? Yeah. You, you know, that, that, that damn minivan, you know, we were yeah. never, by the way, we, we, we parked it across the street from my house one night and it, it's, we didn't have to trick it out too much to look like a piece of shit. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> and so my neighbors thought we, somebody had abandoned a minivan and we're trying to get it towed. Thank God they didn't because we needed oh. it that morning. <laughs> And oh they saw God. me go out, and they're like, "Oh my God, we thought we thought someone had just stolen it and just dumped it off in the thing." I was like, "No, <laughs> what a weird assumption!" Immediately, not that you have a d- dirtbag meth head cousin who's visiting or like something shitty, but like uh, we thought someone abandoned a car, so we we're gonna have it grabbing and taken away. You live in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> that car cannot yeah. be out here. <laughs> that doesn't happen in my neighborhood. Shit sits forever. I was gonna say it stuck out pretty quick when it showed up. There was no doubt about it. God bless the minivan. We love that uh, thing for the film. It was great. But yeah, so Dr. Ken, um, how did you, how did, I can't remember, you remember how we came about with the Alan Ruck thing and then uh, what a, he... Our casting director suggested him and I think it was one of, you know, some, uh, Alan, Alan Ruck is an amazing actor. You know, he was Cameron in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, and, and, and he, so I think our, our casting director suggested him, but he, they never really got our hopes up or anything. They were just like, oh, we'll, we'll just kind of try this out. And, and uh, apparently he had just gotten a vasectomy, like weeks you know, before he got the script. <laughs> so it was it was like really fast. Yes, it was kind of like oh, great. <laughs> uh, we, we, and he was such a nice. I mean, he was he was perfect. Oh yeah, he did a and, great uh, job. <laughs> and it's like a treat to see a guy like that in a movie. You're not expecting to see him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and he does. A, he, I mean, that's a great role. I assume yeah. you guys shot him out in just a couple of days. Yeah, it was well, two and, days. And, yeah. yeah. And he was both, you know, again, going back to what Alonzo was talking about earlier, this comedy, it's a comedy, but we, our goal was to always keep it grounded in reality where we're not trying to make a slapstick film. Right. So there, uh, the transition pieces, obviously, uh, is the podcasting is part of the transition, but the other is the dream sequences are a big thing. So Alan Rock had to take, you're getting two different versions of him yeah. because of this yeah. heightened reality that uh, Alonzo had created with this this dream sequence. And I think, you know, the, the dream sequence and stuff, for the, obviously, by the time, you know, hopefully when you guys see it, because the dream sequences, I love the, personally, I love the dream sequence and stuff. Can you talk about uh, your thought behind the... Uh, the how- I, I basically, like, looked up, like, you know, all the people I talked to had vasectomies and all the stories I read about people had vasectomies. I basically chose all the worst parts of it. And we just tried to, like, stick all that in into these kind of, like, worst-case scenarios in the operating room, what would happen. And, oh and Alan God. Ruck, you know, just ran with it. And it, 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 is, it, is, it is completely trippy. It's absolutely trippy. And, you know, and there's a nurse, you know, there's, like, a hot <laughs> nurse. And then there's, like, you know, 
I don't know, residents or interns, whatever they're in there, you know, you know, not knowing what they're doing. So it is kind of like this whole thing of like what would what what could happen, you know. Basically, Alan, our main character's worst nightmare about what would happen to his balls if he actually went in, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. No, <laughs> Let me just say, I one of the funnest things I got to do on set was I got to create testicles. <laughs> oh, you, the ones that he holds up, John. I mean. <laughs> I mean, six cents, man. The six cents. Yeah, no. What happens I, at the end? John? I spent a lot. Everybody of time. dies in a flaming <laughs> minivan. They fly off a cliff. Tunsis is driving. I spent a lot of time with with uh, with uh, the wonderful ladies. I think April was one of the ones that helped oh, yeah, me with April. that. Um, we spent some makeup, time. It was, uh, makeup yeah, artist. Makeup yeah. artist. It was a little bit weird because you know you're having to create. <laughs> Oh my God! They, you know, that was the one thing I will say about the movie is that that's the weird <laughs> stuff in a film because of what you're dealing with. We, you're dealing with genitals, right? So at some point, we all have to kind of come to the, you know, acceptance of like we're going to be talking about genitals, we're going to be creating genitals, <clears throat> we're going to be purchasing genitals, we're going to be doing things that are going to be uncomfortable. So we have to kind of go, look, it's part of the film, so <laughs> we got we got to figure this out. And they were troopers. They were great about it, you know. Did, did and, they pull up legit photos to work with? Well, yeah, you had. That's the yeah, thing is, you had so to, disgusting because they do that all the time. The yeah, everything's in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had to, they. <laughs> like we put like well, I was just watching a guy make poo in the arts department one day for punked. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that looks so fucking real. He goes, oh yeah, I've been looking at these photos, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, well, so so you so the the funny thing is is like um, having to create genitals. You so you first you, first you Google them. And you're like, well, what do actual testicles look like when they're not and inside the scrotum, wh- and right? What like, could it, yeah, what would resemble so, yeah, that? And, th- and then you're like, oh my god, <laughs> this is horrendous. I should have like, these things cut off with an axe right now. What well, are these yeah, things? Yeah, I mean, because you know, once you get to that, they're innards, man. They're like, yeah. it's just grossness yeah. inside it's the body. Or- it's like an organ. Yeah. yeah. So then you're like, well, what in the what what in the in our real world that we can get our hands on? No pun intended. <laughs> Can you turn into this? And that's when it starts turning into like, well, I guess we're going shopping at the grocery store to yep. see what kind of things they You're have holding the photo next to an avocado, like, nope. Guess, uh, <laughs> guess we're going to Chinatown. These you know raisins I mean? sort of do it, but they're small. I think April had a little too much fun making those. Oh, balls. yeah, with different types of shopping. <laughs> but again, that's what you want. Someone who loves their job and like, and, what a, and I'm guessing April's job is different Every day. Every production <laughs> is like, today you're making yeah. balls. She's like, great. Tomorrow, we need a butthole. Like, okay, like, whatever it is, <laughs> and, she can do it. And I want you guys to know, and I, I don't know if I ever, I think Alonzo knows this, but I, I I actually did a little segment of how to make text, testicles inside the, the real one. So we actually have it. She walks through. She showed the process of oh, it. Oh, nice. We test. There, I don't want to wreck this part in the field because we have certain scenes of the film you don't, you don't want to wreck. There's a great reveal inside my house that kids see something they're not supposed to see. There's... Um, there's uh, some of the dream sequence stuff, but in the dream sequence stuff, there's there's we did some testers on on what to do with this stuff. So there's there's some great moments, <laughs> and we've I've got it all. So once the film comes out, once the film is out, then I will put out the bust out the the, uh, the creation of uh, how we got there. That's will awesome. come out. That's yeah. a, that was a good idea. That was a really good idea. But again, I think in independent filmmaking, that's the kind of stuff you kind of have to embrace all this stuff, like. If, if you're if you're gonna do it, just do it. Just that. Well, that's always embrace learn. the weirdness of like, oh, this is, is my weird. job today. Okay, we're yeah. gonna test, <laughs> fuck, you know, fake balls. Is I, you know, I'm missing one. Is there? Did you keep any of those? Did we? Is there <laughs> something I could maybe have surgically oh, put did you in? Not, oh, you didn't. You didn't get a uh, a fake one put into. No. 
No. You didn't get a prosthetic? No, I told you this when I was because when I was I, just kidding. When I was doing it, they didn't make them for humans yet. They were only they only made them for dogs. But can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does it matter? No, 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 it doesn't. I mean, who's? That's who, why I never went back and got another one. Are like, you hanging chicken enough that you would need to do that? I hang, yeah, every day. Which, but for those listening that don't know what that means, I think it just means pulling your balls out of your pants. Yeah, I actually, I, <laughs> I, I had a, I used to do a joke about um, gro- growing up. Uh, well, I still do. I don't really do the joke that often, but it was like about uh, sh- um, when I grew up, people did cut off oh, jean shorts. Yeah, they were so tight. And so, so they were small. so tight that the testicles sometimes would pop out on the sides. Oh, and I tell, that's a joke. That- <laughs> It's a joke is done. And after, I think we were in Madison. And after a show, a guy came up and he goes, Man, that joke is hilarious. But did you know that when you intentionally show your testicles, it's called hanging chicken? I'm like, Good talk, buddy. <laughs> coming over. I'm like, Wasn't expecting that follow up to the joke, but thank oh, you for shit. sharing. So that's how I learned that. That's, that's the terminology. Hanging it's called chicken. hanging chicken. chicken. So, All right. I guess. But again, that being said, that's why I say to you, Why would anybody need to get a prosthetic testicle? No, you wouldn't. No one. I don't think most, even most women are like, oh man, you know what I'm missing today? Another ball in my mouth. Yeah. Like, no, that's never going to happen. Or just seeing him around. Like, yeah. even in your, I'm yeah, not like in your exactly. own house. Not pretty. Exactly. No, exactly. Not in your own house. God, I, you don't know, think... I like when you walk around naked, but your one <laughs> testicled sack is grossing me out. It's, like, it's bumming me out. I wish yeah. you had a, I wish you God, were doubling down. Can't down you get there. another one? You look like a freak. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk about you at my sewing circle. That, this segment is for my parents. I'm hoping they're going to be listening <laughs> this to this. This is the one they listen to. They're like, oh, God. Hey, Brian, my dad. I'd be like, hey, Brian. I mean, he, my dad's really good. He's, he tries to be the trooper and listen to all the stuff. <laughs> so if he does listen to it, I guarantee you, he's like, well, I just listened to the thing where you were talking about me listening to you about the testicles. They're like, all right, Dad, you're 88. Let's not talk about this stuff anymore. Man. He's a trooper. He's totally into that stuff. <laughs> he's a trooper. He was with the Foreign Legion. But yeah, so I mean, they, again, Doing all that stuff, you know, uh, f- for this comedy. The other thing is, you know, we also talking about the grounded in reality. Going back to the Valentine's thing and how we were kind of like, kind of glad that it came out. That one of the themes in this is the relationship part of it. It's not just a bunch of dumb dudes doing dumb things. And, and no, there's a lot that's of a that, big but part there's of a lot in there. of the relationship too. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's it, Alan and his wife, you know, and what they're going through and. You know, because it's you know uh, the kids kind of mix everything up. Yeah, you know, like uh, whatever. Like you try to you make had. sure you didn't say mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> mix. I said mix. <laughs> they don't mess things up. They're just, they're just their kids just interrupt us. That's things just become very different yeah. once you get yeah. married and have lot. You know, especially more than one. And it's just like uh, you know, and and for example, like uh, sex with the wife is is a big uh, you know it's a big theme in the movie. Like minivans, vasectomies, and sex with the wife is I think like basically the three cornerstones of this movie. Yeah. By the way, and don't. The one thing that, because um, I talk very fast, some people have been thinking I've been saying, they're like, hold on a second, is this movie about a guy who gets a vasectomy in a minivan? I'm like, no, 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 no. Vasectomy <laughs> and a minivan, not a vasectomy in a minivan. That is a different movie altogether. Yeah, what movie would that be? Well, that would be going across the border to Tijuana. Back alley operations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that could be a movie, but uh, that's not what it's about. But yeah, but a big part of being grounded in reality is actually the, 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 the journey of trying to figure out what it's going to take to make your life, make your relationship with your wife, uh, make your relationship with your kids, make it all work. Because at the end of the day, that's honestly, that's what we should all be striving for. So there is, there is that undertone of like, I don't want to say drama to it, but there is that part of it that there's also that real part of it that it's not, it's not going to be like, 
all the time. It's not everything. It's not testicles exploding for two and a half hours. It's <laughs> why didn't you make it's, that? It's a roller the coaster dick ride. Punch hour, like oh, it's just a guy getting punched in the dick over and over again. It gets but, pretty real at certain points, you which know, I and, like. Uh, I like the yeah. fact that that you were willing to go there because I think that that's that's the heart of the film that I think that you have to have, and I think you would agree with this. Absolutely, you can't just keep. Kicking people in the nuts and going, isn't this movie funny? There has to be heart. There has to be a character and or characters that you you genuinely care about. Otherwise, why are you watching this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless it, you just like people getting kicked. No, in the I mean, nuts I, I, I mean, watch I, America's Funniest Home Videos. That's, <laughs> that's all it is, right? People getting punched in the balls. Um, yeah, no, for sure. That was one of one of the big things. I mean, we wanted to watch this guy just kind of go through this whole transformation. That, that maybe he didn't really realize it was coming, and it just hits him all at once. Slow you know? burn. We talked. You know, about, it's right? just, yeah, exactly. The the whole parenting, the whole kids, the whole the threat of like his identity leaving, the the, the changed relationship with his wife that he's not so happy about. You know, and and uh, because you know, uh, you know, uh, I think I think men and women have you know they change once they get married, and and you have to you know adjust. I'm not saying give up or anything i'm just saying you have to adjust your expectations yeah and this dude is right in the middle of that and and struggling a lot with it and you know and holding on to dear life uh any any moments in making this that uh you hated brian well that would be every other day <laughs> but no your favorite you have any you have any like moments when you look back on the film are there certain days or certain things that you did did you have any things that you hadn't done before personal challenges moments in that film where like you were stoked oh my god that you every did this day is like every, you know usually if if every day is not a complete challenge and you're not completely stressed out and, and <laughs> I said you know, fun uh, I said fun no, but, but that's the way it is it's it's it is fun but it's also completely nerve-wracking and that's basically the fun of it and and I've, I've never been and actually maybe one day it'll happen but I've never been on set where I'm like relaxed and like wow this is all coming together it's beautiful <laughs> And everybody's doing what they're supposed to, and I have plenty of time. You know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, I don't think it ever happens to anybody because even in bigger budgets, you're always trying to get more done. You're always trying to get more done. You you never have enough time, and and uh, so at least at least from my point of view, in the director's side, you're always battling the clock, and you're always putting out fires, and you're always trying to get amazing performances. And and to me, that the fun part is working with great actors. You know, it's always like great, like. Wow, you know, I didn't even imagine it could be done like that, and you just did it. Uh, wow, you know, I'll, I almost start clapping sometimes. I think because I'm so happy right. with, with what they did, and then also working with an amazing team. You know, where you're like, it's coming together. Look, look at that. You just did all that. It didn't take you five hours. You know, actually, you know, it's it's it, it's it, you're doing amazing work in 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 a good amount of time, and it looks amazing, and and we're all getting along. You know, <laughs> that is a good feeling, but you're always stressed out. So always. when are you at, when are you going to enjoy this movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years after yeah, but, it's released. But you know what? But a director's journey is, uh, is is unlike... I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to direct. And they think it's like you show up on set and you oh, tell the man. actors what to do. Oh, no. There is no. so... Luck with that. No, but, yeah. it, but I'm just saying, it's like until you get into production, I think a lot of people don't really genuinely understand the director's journey of like how many levels there are to storytelling. Course, it's not yeah. just showing up and going, all right, action. Uh, could you guys do those lines, but a- backwards? Like, it's, not, it's, it's, it's more than that. And, yeah. it, and it is. That's why it's like, there's a reason why it's a movie by Alonzo Mayo is because like, you, it's like, a, he told it should you be the, saying. He told you the story. A, 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 well, yeah. <laughs> but basically, he's lived from, from beginning to this moment right now. Especially where it's in so indie in, films, yeah. especially when you don't have like a big studio behind you with, 
you know, a, a big team, you know. We had a small, great team, but that means that, you know, everybody's got to do so much more than, yeah. than, than usual, you know. You have to end up doing so many more things that you would, you know, that you never thought you would do, and you just have to do it. You yeah. have to do it because nobody else is going to do it. Or maybe somebody else is going to do it, but they're not going to do it with the same heart that you would do it. Yeah. And because you don't have any money, you know, to pay them. So, so you know, at some point, you know, sometimes you're, like, considering, like, well, I could find somebody to do this super cheap, Who's not going to do it? Not going to care. Even, or we just do it ourselves, goddammit, and then we we get it done how we want it to do. So you, you end up doing a lot. Yeah. So many more things, and you know, uh, you know, I I, I I taught directing for a while, and and it's it's really funny sometimes because you do get sometimes these kids who are like you know they have a very particular idea of what that is, and maybe someday you'll get to the point where that you know you can just walk on set. <laughs> but I've even then, you still anybody. need a shot list. Of you still need to know how the movie plays out in your head. You still need there's it's not just showing up and going okay read the lines. <laughs> Do the thing there's in front so of the much, lens. The prep work is, there's so much prep work. And you uh, wear a beret, right? <laughs> so that's good. You have a megaphone you walk around with yelling at people. He was always raised up. He had. He always had to His have director the... director's chair was... Uh, he he was on the crane. He was always on a crane. Why do we have a jib? Because Alonzo sits on it and we, we raise him up. Cra- we, we didn't have any crane shots. There's we no, just crane there's directors. no camera up there, though. He just sits <laughs> up there. a crane director. This is my perspective. You know, the camera's down here, right? <laughs> ah, I've got a beret on. All right, Mr. Wells, come I'm on I'm wearing down. riding pants. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh my God! To ride this crane, <laughs> ride this crane. The, the whip. I can't live without the whip. You gotta have the <laughs> right under the arm, like a little, like a little uh, Mussolini. <laughs> Why directing for you? Just out of curiosity, how did you? Uh, where, when did this? When did this all start? Um, I, I I don't think when I was a kid. I think I, I loved movies. And I wanted to make movies. I didn't really. I think know what I wanted to do. You, you did know? not grow up in. I grew up in Peru. I'm originally from Peru. Okay. And then I, I kind of moved around a lot when I was a teenager. And, okay. And uh, I lived in Kansas for a while. But I did my undergrad in Peru, and then I've been in L.A. since '02. Military so. family or, or – No, did, no, okay. I had an academic family. So okay. a lot of, like, traveling for, like, you know – PhDs and stuff okay. like that, you know. Um, so, so I traveled a lot. Uh, I can really, uh, me too, man. I mean, that's me. PhDs and <laughs> I just, I love that. But it's amazing to me, Peru to Kansas. That's like, yeah, that's it's a, it's a big. Con- it's did a, you get there and very... say we're not in Peru anymore? It, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Stupid Wizard of Oz reference. That's an American movie, Alonzo. Yeah, I, I got that joke a lot. <laughs> I got that joke a lot in Peru. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was a, a big contrast. But I, I think when I was, you know, like a lot of other teenagers, I just loved movies. Um, you know, um, not specifically like artsy movies. I, I, I kind of liked like Hollywood cinema, and, and I, I liked, you know, um, it, but I didn't. I, I knew I wanted to do that kind of stuff. I didn't really know what it was or how to get there, and it just took me a while to just figure out. Uh, first of all, you know, I got into camera work and editing first. And Where? Then, uh, in Peru, in Peru, in Peru. And okay. Then, and then I, you know, I, I worked in some movies down there as as a camera assistant. So I kind of, you know, I slowly started figuring out how it just worked, how it gets made, you know. And then I figured out that I needed to be a writer because, you know, the, the, the basically nobody's gonna give me their amazing script. So I basically have to create my own uh, material. So I, I then I went to that, and then then I got into directing just because I started directing my own, you know, because you're shorts. like now I've produced uh, and written this stuff, I need to direct it. <laughs> like. So it was kind of like a slow. 
slow ramp up and and um, and you know yeah yeah so it was it, it took a while but then then I kind of got this to is all in Peru or is it, when did you end up finding yourself uh, in LA at AFI in O2 uh, to the American Film Institute to do a directing program there and I and uh, that's why you came here exactly was to go to exactly. AFI yes and then I just stuck do you have around. to apply to that school oh, or yeah, okay so you don't just get in you don't just pay to get in no oh no, okay it's very very competitive I'm not that familiar and, uh, with it so what can you so explain you, a little you, bit about AFI you have to. Um, um, present a portfolio, basically. So it's kind of a different than a lot of the other graduate schools because it's not they don't have undergrad and they don't have anything other than filmmaking. It's just filmmaking and it's just graduate. Uh, but the, the, the cool thing about them, though, is that they also take people who haven't done undergraduate. So you have like a mix of, you know, people who've done undergraduate and and are and, and are doing film, and you also have some people who are more on the technical side. They kind of maybe just kind of work themselves up in the industry. And now want to you know study something in particular, but but they don't they don't they're not even going to get a degree basically. So so it's like kind of this crazy mix of of uh, of people and very international, but it is extremely hard to get in. I was so lucky. I I didn't have I had no clue I was going to get into that. I applied to a lot of places and okay. Um, what did the application consist of? Did you have to show like work? Did you have exactly to show... so portfolio? So for example, I had one short film that I had done well in the festival circuit right before I got in. So that was basically my big piece. You know, nice. my, okay. Uh, it was a, a thriller back then, and and uh, and they liked it. And then you have to have an interview, and then that's pretty much it. But uh, thank God they they also don't care too much about your grades, so that was good for me. <laughs> Creative man, yeah, dude. You're not gonna. No one's gonna worry about your grade system. And, well, <laughs> well, some of the other schools are. You know, they interesting. Don't, you know, well, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, art forms are art is subjective, not objective. Yeah, so man. That's were, weird. were you? Did you? Were you living in Peru at the time that you submitted? Or were you already living? Oh yeah, in the no, States? I was in Peru. I was in Peru. Uh, yeah, so I came here. Had you been to LA before? I had been to LA once before, like in the I think uh, late ni- in the mid nineties. I had like come in, re- like just to visit. Yeah, just okay. like a like a family trip. Yeah, oh, just okay. come in and and so that's like and, a huge uh, leap of faith too, right? Because LA is yeah. not cheap. I don't know how expensive it was in no. Peru, but where you were living, but. it was yeah. This is not. It wasn't cheap. Yeah, I just I was in this tiny little one hole apartment you know. by yourself. Any friends here? Anything when you came out here? Nobody. I I knew basically nobody. So, okay, wow. but but the cool thing about the school was that there were so many people on the same boat that. You know, the, you from all quickly. over the world. That, and even people who are in LA, you know, because that school is so intense. Um, you know, first year, you know, you you basically don't see anybody. You know, you live in the school basically. So because it's so intense that 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 you you build a you build a, a network. You know, and you build a, a group of friends pretty quick because it's so intense. You know, you, it, you're going through something together. Yeah, it's trial by fire. It's definitely like you know they start with something they call it boot camp, and it is kind of like boot camp. And then the, the first year is just intense. You you do nothing but. You know, the, w- w- you know, direct, 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 direct. In, in so it's all hands on. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, it's not a lot of time sitting in classes being talked to. You're actually there, there's some classes, but um, really, it's really well. There, there, there's a lot of prep, so you 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 are kind of taught all that part of it. But there's not like it's not the typical film school where you're gonna do like film history classes or or, right. or more like academic stuff like that. No, no, it's all practical. It's all about your films. It's all about you know your craft. That's it. Nothing else. And how many years? It's a two-year program. Two it's an MFA, program. yeah. Yep. And how often do people meet their wives there? You know what? In our year, let me count them. One, two, three, four, <laughs> maybe five people. Whoa. And, you know, it's, like, it's, it's a lot our year, I have to say. Because that's it, where you and Nina met, correct? It, yeah. Yeah, we met. We met uh, yeah, she produced my uh, Cycle 3 project. Uh, <laughs> And, and if I <laughs> wow! <laughs> so there, there was uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. At this <laughs> 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 but 
But again, it, it, there's a part of it that kind of makes sense because there's a like-mindedness there, right? There's and you're, what you're talking about, it's, it's intense. So everybody's yeah. with each other all the time. Yes, yeah, all you're not going out not... to. Yeah, you're not. That's like when you look at a show that lasted for so long, like a Seinfeld or whatever, like nine seasons. Like in that nine seasons. Guaranteed, people met, got married, had kids. Those kids started working on the show. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Not that, but you know what I mean. Like that's that you hear that a lot in production because you become close and you don't see other people. Like, what's he, you're not going to go to the White Horse to meet ladies at night because you're. <laughs> I working. like how you used to pick a place that was near a. It was AFI. AFI. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I used to live. Have you been there? Have I, you been to the White Horse? I have been. To the White Horse. I used to live. I used to live right around the corner from that place. And uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, you you know you're not going to be doing that if you're working in at, at uh, and you're in classes doing uh, six. 16, 17 hour a day like there's just no time to like socialize there was very little outside dating happens going at work on. yeah <laughs> so let's bring it all back to AFI so how how does one get a student academy award like what is that all about uh, that was actually my um, my AFI thesis film I did two and, and one of them was like my main I guess my main one you'd call that I wrote and directed and uh, and yeah, no, I was it was it was it came together. It was kind of it was kind of like this one in the sense that we did it. We got so many favors that we we basically pulled off something that that we couldn't have done. You know, um, you know, any other time it would have been way too expensive. And and like we shot it was back then. I remember like we shot on film. Like Panavision gave us like the camera they had just used for like. Uh, that the, the sequel to Silence of the Lambs, you know, so we got like this amazing equipment. Like my DP was like, "Holy cow! Like we have these lenses. <laughs> you better be careful with this." Like, and, and my producer, somebody was looking at her like, "If you drop this lens, you know that this lens costs over one hundred thousand dollars." Oh my god! Like, <laughs> oh my god! So we were like, "That we just gives the money person a heart attack every time." <laughs> like, hey, we oh. need the expensive lens. Oh god, please no! Send <laughs> nine people and nine Fernie pads over there. Bring it over with a bus. AFI insurance. Uh, but yeah, of course we were full insured. But still, the deductibles are no joke, you know. So so, so um, yeah, we we got to play some some amazing toys. We shot on film, like deluxe. Shot like, on this. Tell me about this film that you shot on. Oh my god, on. That, that, that was the film. last time I ever. No, that that's not true. That's not true. But but uh, but it was one of the last times I shot on film, and and it was it was cool. It was cool. But well, can we? Um, what was the movie called? What was it about? It was called Wednesday Afternoon. I think it's available online. Um, it was about. It was a drama. There was nothing. It was a little fun. It was a little fun in there, but mostly a drama about. A uh, Latino kid in uh, in uh, in uh, L.A. and uh, it's basically his his parents are divorced and he is uh, he goes out like every Wednesday afternoon with his dad. It's like his day out with his dad, and, uh, and Wednesdays with daddy. Yeah, and his daddy is not the nicest uh, uh, role model. Let's say that, <laughs> and 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 the kid has to figure out what to do about it. So. Now, and did you submit it to the academy? Like, how, I'm just curious how what I didn't even, the 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 student. Is it yeah, only I've never through even AFI? heard of this, so I don't know. No, but is it only through AFI? All no, no, film no. schools can submit, or as long is it a, is sure a film any, school sure thing? All film schools, that, so, and, and there are some requirements. Okay, uh, so it's actually being submitted to the academy. You submitted it to the academy, yeah, and they I they think, said winner, chicken dinner. There's like a lot of steps, and like you have to go through a lot of committees, and you know. And basically, they they narrow you down. You know, there's there's like every region I think has a committee, and then they keep narrowing you down until you get to. The Is there a ceremony, or do you just receive something in the there, mail there that says? Ceremony. Oh no, there was a ceremony. How did you get contacted? Amazing. It was really cool because uh, they um, there's there's like three main prizes: there's like the gold medal, silver, and bronze. But they don't tell you that till the very end. So basically, everybody is a student academy award winner, and and uh, and they're for like a week. They bring everybody, like all the people who are not in LA. They bring them out. They fly them out. They put them up. 
and they and you get all these meetings and and you and you get you know they 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 take you to the agencies you know and the you get the red carpet rolled out and you feel good for like a week of <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty nice <laughs> and then they're like back where you came from you get nothing exactly, from us exactly exactly <laughs> come back when you made something else back to Kansas back to Kansas so I do uh, have a question for you in re- regards to your journey so obviously you you meet Nina at, at AFI then you start having kids did you at any point I mean I, like my big issue early, which I don't have anymore, but I literally did feel like some decisions I was making, like starting a family, very quickly it felt like it was going against everything that you that that Hollywood wants from you in order to succeed. Did you go through any of that stuff when you started yeah, course, when, when you had that, and how did you deal with that? Um, I mean, we we talked we talked about it. Um, um, I mean, it's it, it it was really like you know. Uh, is this something you I guess you want to do? But for us, it was honestly we we talked about it a little bit, but it really wasn't like a, a huge thing. Okay, it was it was basically like, well, we're just gonna do it. <laughs> and and the one thing about I guess about being an independent filmmaker is that you you just you're always taking risks anyway. So it was to us is like, are we really gonna wait around how many years until we've we're established enough where we can actually. You know, properly afford. I mean, we weren't making like I guess all the rational choices that maybe some other people would make because I guess we were so used to already. Like, have you seen some of the people that are, you know? But, <laughs> but have you ever seen some of the people that have babies? Like I don't know if that's like a real rational. Like not a lot of these people like, seem rational. That's no, not, well, it's not that as much as I mean. I guess for me, I look at it, it's like it goes against everything you're trying to accomplish. So I guess it makes sense to, I, what I, you're I've saying from a risk taking. I know what you're, you're talking about because we heard about it so much once we we actually like were pregnant. You know, in the sense of like can't make these the, meetings, can't do this, no, no, can't do but, that. But, but what you hear about a lot of it is like, why would you do that? You know, right. you, it's like you know your career, man. You know this is just you know. And and for me, it wasn't as bad as with with Nina. I think for women, it's actually a lot worse. Yeah. Yes. In the industry, like uh, I, I think uh, it, women in the industry, like the ones you know, w- w- once they they start getting established, I think it's so cutthroat. And I think honestly, I think there's this kind of expectation that. Like you're almost married to your work. And, yeah. Why would you have a kid? You already have exactly. a kid. It's called this job. And I remember hearing that. That Nina heard about it from not not just a few people of like, oh, oh, you're not really serious about filmmaking then, you know, because you're because you're not family. willing to sacrifice the idea you know? that you might want to have a kid, <laughs> which is completely ridiculous, right? And and like Nina's uh, uh, my wife, uh, my producer also, she's from Denmark, where, which is a completely different way of looking at things in that sense. Over there, like if you are if you don't have a family. You know, if if you're if you're basically married to your work and not have a family, you are the weirdo. That's the way they see it. <laughs> Honestly, it's a completely different way. Like here, especially in the entertainment industry, like you have to be married to your work because it is t- so tough. But there's this expectation that you have to be on call all the time. You know, the the, the fact that we can do, you know, in this business, like you can be making calls to to offices and agencies up to like nine ten p.m. You know, it's like these these poor people that sometimes you work in these systems, they they work all the time. I don't know, they don't sleep. I mean, it's just like it 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 really kind of affects your outside life. Um, So, so she came from I think an environment where that was like that's when 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 she when somebody told her like oh are you not you know serious about your job she was like well you're stupid you know she she had a very you know, a simple way of dealing with that stuff. You know, we're doing both, and and it's hard. Yeah, it's very hard. But but you know, you you make it work, and that's you know, because we wanted kids, we wanted to have kids. Well, I also think it's balance, and that's why I'm, I'm I have you here today to convince John with me that it's time to have a family, <laughs> because until that happens, your dad anger 
is misplaced. It doesn't make any sense because you have no reason to behave the way you're oh, behaving. I got nieces and nephews and stuff. <laughs> no, no, that's that's Funkles. Them. That's Funkle stuff. Dude, that's I not... am Funkle. I am the Funkle. Yeah, no, now you need to step it up to the next level, man. The angry dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone from being the fun uncle to the angry dad. You know, I had a moment this morning because I was like, I, I kind of, you know, uh, uh, Tanner's homesick and it kind of, and it, for just a quick moment, I got I couldn't I couldn't sleep in so I was I woke up early I was already so I was kind of already a little bit angry and I was like I had all these plans today and then he's like I'll, I hear from the room I don't feel good. I want to go to school and like that's that thing you hear so then I was just I was I was grumpy angry dad in the morning but not at anybody so instead I like clean the whole house in an angry fashion. I'm like, oh my god! And I'm like, an angry dad is the same thing as a meth head. Focus on the house. I you literally just focus everything, a bit. <laughs> everything in the house was cleaned up like a meth head. Yeah, but you're not like it's on like the roof hour. with a fucking vacuum cleaner, almost. or you're like not out raking the driveway. <laughs> literally <laughs> almost rocks for no reason. Literally almost anything I could do to just calm the anger down. Dad anything. sanded all the dressers in the house. It's three a.m. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I again, I appreciate Alonzo you coming in and yeah, um, and uh, telling have, the story. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, do you have any projects on the, in the works now? Oh, uh, you always have. Yeah, I have to always have projects. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're trying to. There, we have two other projects we're trying to get done, and uh, it just takes time. Yeah, every, and I mean, of course, you have to keep writing. So tedious. And then, and then uh, like you know, you have to do other stuff too. Like we, you know, our, uh, we have a company. We do production services. We do, you know, we do corporate work now. So you, you oh, have nice. to just you know mix it up, and you know, yeah, every, I think every a lot of people. Uh, especially in the indie world, have to end up being jack of all trades and uh, and and keep slugging it out until uh, until you know to keep going. Yeah. So I'll let you do your pitch on why fixed, and then I will do it. So why fixed? Why? Fi- why you should see fixed because it's fun to watch a middle aged man suffer, <laughs> and uh, and there's a lot of suffering, <laughs> and it's really funny to watch you know a guy like that suffer. So I would say that that you will you will you know you will have fun watching somebody else suffer. <laughs> and that's just for that reason it's enough and you might you forget about it. your own suffering for you should, a little exactly, bit exactly you might forget about it and uh, yeah watch it Valentine's Day I think you know I agree with you obviously pain is funny um, and there's lots of different levels of pain I will say though that now that this is I'm I'm excited to finally see this movie out because there are some things that we collectively did in this film and John you've seen it that I really do believe are genuine laugh out loud moments that oh, yeah. I can't wait for the general public to see. There are some things that we threw in there that I uh, that that's what I'm most excited about. I really do people believe that people are going to enjoy it. I I've been telling these uh, Alonzo and Nina since it came out that I'm a firm believer that Valentine's Day couldn't be a better place because let's be honest, uh, for, it, it comes on a Valentine's Day because um, it's 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 main target audience is parents with kids and they're not going out. They're nope, going to they're gonna, what can we watch? <laughs> a movie about a mistake. It's either going to start some fights or, or is at least start a conversation. I th- Yeah, I think it's going to do all of the above. It'll start fun fights. But that's a good great point. Great dialogue, a lot of laughter. It'll make you feel not so alone in this world for a lot of the things that happen have happened to all of us as parents. Yeah. So many levels. And for people like you, John, or anybody else that is, is either married, in a relationship, considering getting married, considering getting a relationship, considering having kids... It's still something you should watch because it's basically letting you know what's coming. That's the way yeah. I look at it. Yeah. In one, in one, I mean, in one so form like or another. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that documentary about that guy who got a vasectomy? <laughs> 
No, those dream sequences, that was real. The dream, that was not a dream sequence. That was legit. Alonzo, thanks a lot for swinging by you and guys. helping us pimp out uh, Fixed. So Valentine's Day, Fixed. Where can, where can they find it? Where can they get it? Everywhere in uh, we're VOD. For example, uh, you can find it on iTunes in your Apple TV. You can find it on Amazon or Vudu in your Roku. Uh, you can get it in uh, all major cable providers. You can get it on on demand on all major cable providers in the U.S. and Canada. No, yep. that's everywhere. There's no excuses, people. No, excuses. yeah, don't don't be searching Netflix for it. That'll be long down the road. You got it. It's everywhere else. You got it everywhere, you gotta, but Netflix. Yeah, yeah, Netflix. It eventually, yes, but for right now, you get it now. Now. You Very get important it now. For you to see well, it. Valentine's Day. You have to have no. everybody. <laughs> everybody. I want. I want. Yeah, let's be reasonable. I think at least like five million people should download it. <laughs> Ten Just million. I mean, reasonable. Ten I mean, million. Reasonable. And then two days later, like five million vasectomies should be scheduled. <laughs> the doctors are like, "What is happening? We got an influx of vasectomies coming Look, in." I know that's not going to happen, but oh my god, if that did happen, that would be the most hilarious. Like, well, that's the greatest effective a film. <laughs> but that's the greatest PR out. you could ever. I know, ask but for, I'm just like, saying it's. It's a million men all got vasectomies three days after seeing the movie <laughs> fixed. It's better than everybody running out and getting an anxiety gerbil. So I just think that, that, that it's a better cause and effect as far as Dude, I'm Dude, I am still in shock that they made that person flush the thing. And the, uh, well, the, the no, person they didn't was, make her do yeah, anything. The fact that she was like, okay, well, I got to get to Philly or wherever yeah, she was exactly. going. Like, you know what she should have done in that thing? Just turn to a stranger and went, here, you can have my pet gerbil. I got to go. And let them deal with it or, at that point. Or, hear me out, go, okay, go into the bathroom, put the fucking thing in your pocket. Flush the toilet and then walk onto the plane. Like, who's gonna know you got a gerbil? The whole thing is just ridiculous. Watch Fixed on Valentine's Day. Watch it the day after Valentine's Day. The bottom line is watch it watch every Fixed. day for two months, guys. Yeah, listen, do that too. Thanks, everybody. Great show. Thanks for listening. Uh, have a great week, weekend, whatever day it is. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>